You are listening to Chill Conversations with Anka, and today I'm joined by Oris Ikomi, an early careers consultant. Hi, Oris. Hi, hi, Anka. Good to uh, meet you again. <laughs> oh yes. After, yeah. After, after five, after five years. years. Yep. Yep. Indeed. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah. it was a, a nice encounter then, and I, I think it's a nice one now. It's a bit different from yeah. how we met first time. Yeah. Yeah, no, um, obviously, like, for the people who are listening, so we, we met at the, so I came to give a talk at your university back in 2018, and I remember after the talk, you connected with me on LinkedIn, and then we managed to stay in touch ever since then, and then here we are, five years after, you know, speaking again, Exactly. incredible. If I look at myself, I, I think I need your help <laughs> as an early <laughs> career consultant, because I'm yeah. uh, all over the place right now, but we'll, yeah. we'll get there. Uh, yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Oris. Yeah, sure. So um, I work professionally. I help bridge the gap between organizations and people leaving university into the world of work to like, bridge that gap. So help companies build be- how they can build better relationship with uh, undergraduates and graduates and how they can attract these graduates to work in their companies. And as well as that, I manage that process. So I, I do I run coaching programs where companies hire me to coach graduates so they can perform better in interviews and assessment centers so that's a bit about what I do and yeah live in London but I was I wasn't born in London I was born and raised in Nigeria and I moved over to the UK as a 17 year old and been in now for about 22 years so I've given away my age as well so yeah that's a bit about me nice how, how would you say London was back then Oh, how would I say London was back then? So when I first moved up to London, I lived in like Southeast London, an area called Deptford. And back then it was, it was very cool. I mean, look at Deptford now compared to Deptford back then, it's totally different. To give you an example, now in Deptford, you will see like fancy restaurants and bars and, you know, almost like places that looks like clubs and so on. Whereas back then it was very different. It was very... There's a lot of like ethnically diverse people from like West Africa, the Caribbean and so on and so forth, West Indies. And, you know, kids would go out after school playing outside. That was very common, playing outside, playing football. The like football cages and parks will just, you know, with friends all till nine o'clock, especially in the summer. I used to love that in the summer till nine o'clock when it's still bright outside, 9.30, 10 o'clock, still playing football. But now everyone's obviously grown and the demographic is so different. Uh, There's people from like outside London now living in Deptford. And there's a very, if people are familiar with Shoreditch, Shoreditch has been known to be a very trendy part of London. So Deptford is like the mini Shoreditch, you know. So yeah, it's changed a lot. It's changed a lot since compared to um, back then. That's true. I mean, every area has changed. I've been in the UK for like 11 years now so even yeah. I see changes but I can only imagine what what you see like for such yeah. a long time yeah so I mean now uh, you don't really you know you don't really have kids like running around playing outside no. everyone's like indoors these days uh, which is a shame but you know as a time I must admit I have some neighbors who I keep on throwing their ball in my in my garden <laughs> but I'm one of the cool moms because I give it back yeah. and I smile I don't shout yeah those times, I, I think we all miss them. And I, I think it's not just a change that happened in London. I think it's a change that happened all over the world. Coming yeah. from Romania, I used to do the same. And I feel bad for, for my kids that they never get a chance to go outside and just make friends. Yeah. It's all so limited now. Yeah. Do you know what's interesting, though? Like, I live in Wimbledon now, and literally two minutes from my house, it's a recreational park. And in October this year, they have, like, a, a cage with uh where kids can well like a sports cage basically like football basketball so on and so forth and they recently renovated the place they created tennis courts um four basketball uh hoops for people to play and now literally every day with that fail that place is busy with kids and they should realize actually no kids maybe actually they want to go out but perhaps they don't have the facilities to encourage them to go outside so I think, I think the facilities, facilities and also the, um, I think it's a scary world out there. 
and mm. I would be a bit worried to leave the kids. Obviously, if they have friends, of course, they can go. Mines are still a bit young, but it would be beautiful to have that security like we had before because I don't think my parents were very worried when I was going outside, but now with so many things happening and, you know, yeah. trends on TikTok and it it's a lot to, to handle as a parent. Yeah. <laughs> Live alone yeah. as a child. Yeah. So how did you start? Like 17, you were here. What were your passions then? Passion. I don't think I've knew what the word passion meant. Um, generally, I was, it's funny you ask that question. I always, I wasn't one of those kids that knew anything that they wanted to do. I didn't really have any like goal or dream or vision. You know, I grew up in an environment where life wasn't about working you know to to give you a normal a day to, a, a normal day would look like um you wake up get ready you go to school you come back from school you go to the market you do some food shopping and then you come home you cook that was it so i didn't really grow up around people who went into work or went to office i grew up in a very um i wouldn't say it's not a village but it wasn't it wasn't a very developed part of um like compared to like the cities basically i grew up in a small town mm-hmm. and so for me that was life so i didn't really have or see anyone who went into the office or had a career so i looking back i can see the influence that I had in terms of how i viewed life so to me life wasn't about you going to work or pursuing a career to say i want to be a doctor and so on but i was very bright and i was very academic i was like one of the smartest you know, growing up in terms of my school and my school year and so on. So coming to the UK, which is very different where, you know, you go to, you know, you do go to university. So I didn't really have a reason for wanting to go to university. I didn't really know why I wanted to go to university or so on. So I suppose I didn't have any, like, a, a, a purpose behind it. So I didn't have that sort of aspiration and motivation. Um it wasn't until maybe I was about in my early, I think it was about 2021 or so. That's when I had started to think, what is it that I'm actually good at? What is my, what am I, what's my gift? What's my talent? Because I remember back then I used to go to church as well. I remember people speak that there was a particular person talking about like gifts and talents. I was like, what is my gift and talent then? Because I don't really know what I was good at. So in that process, that's when I started learning about when in this journey of self-discovery, and that's when I realized, became more aware of what I was naturally good at. I'm really good at building relationships with people, connecting with anyone. I'm very good at, you know, say speaking and connecting with people. I'm very good at, um, I'm more of a people person. So that was when I would say, if you want to say my sort of aspirations started, where I was like, oh, actually, I can be, um, I'll like maybe be a coach or be a writer, be a speaker. I remember thinking I wanted to be a golfer, to play golf professionally. I was just literally just thinking, <laughs> I can be all of this. But I think what I realised that I was very good at connecting with people. I was very good at, um, yeah, connecting with anyone. Be it um, a year nine student or a senior executive in a, you know, massive corporation. And I also knew, had this insights on actually how to connect people together, how mm-hmm. to how come to build a relationship with you know young people? So that's when I suppose my um, journey started in terms of how I got into what I'm doing now. I realized that, okay, I had this idea that I wanted to make a company to understand how they can build better relationship with people, how they can connect with young people, how they can connect with graduates, with students. And then I went to university, studied business management. And after, during university, I did a lot of things like, you know, did coaching. So I coached the men's, one of the men's, there are three teams I coached with the, the third team and did internships. So I suppose for me, my career has been just more of a, a self-discovery as opposed to having an, a clear idea of exactly what I want to do. I'm just driven by a vision. So that's what drives me daily, if that makes any sense. I think it's better because you're going with yeah. the flow. You don't have yeah. anything set yeah, it's not like I don't have any. Not set in stone, I mean. Yeah, like you're open. Yeah, like say people want to do it, they don't want to be like say a doctor or so. I don't have that. For me, I'm just driven by this vision that 
we can live in a world where my one of my desires for people to actually become aware of who they are, like having a sense of self-awareness. And I think for me, that's something that really transformed my life. Um, when I became, I describe it as actually like waking up. Mm. Where I became aware of a self that I never knew ever existed. And to this day, it sounds a bit, I thought it may sound a bit crazy when I explain it, but I just woke up one day. It was, it was, a, it was a journey, but I became so like, gain some of my insights in terms of how I can recreate myself, how I can um, discover what is I really want to be, what I want to do, and then how to create that. For example, whenever I want to do public speaking, I never had any public speaking training or coaching. I just did something I wanted to do. And then I would put myself in situations to get my comfort zone to, you know, I remember my phone, my first time I spoke in public, I was, I was uh, I think I was third year of university in my placement year. I gave a presentation about a program the university was running to students in a room full of like over a hundred students. Obviously I knew that I was terrified, but because I had this idea that motivated me to go beyond my fear. So I started seeing these things happen. I was like, oh, okay. I want people to understand that they can also transform their lives. I suppose this is what, you know, what drives me and what spurs me on for him to know that, to see what's possible. True, true. But it takes a lot of courage to go in front. I know how it is mm. <laughs> to be in the spotlight and yeah, to have to, to tell the world what you have to say. What would you say is the biggest lesson that you had on your, on your journey? Oh, the biggest lesson... I don't know if I would say I've had, um, maybe I've never really thought about that. Actually, what I was the biggest lesson. There's so many. Um, it's hard to point. In what sense? When you say biggest lesson, so like. Like, you know, we all have challenges. Mm -hmm. there, there must be one that was like, okay, so that's, that's how it should be done. Or when you realize that something is not for you or something is for you, like you said, public speaking, it's for you. You loved it mm -hmm. because you can share it with others. But I don't know, do you have like a crossroad moment? Did you have like something that, I don't know, changed the path somehow? Um, okay, see, I think I understand what you mean now. Um, is that something that changed the path for me? I would say one of the, the crossroads for me was, again, realizing. So I think how it all started from like just growing up in an environment where, you know, like I said, go, go to church every Sunday. You, This is just what you do. And I never knew, to me, it's just I did because this is what you do. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest question for me was actually stopping to say, is this whole thing about church, God, and all this stuff, is it actually real? And what I discovered is something that then changed my life forever. It wasn't necessarily discovering God per se. It was more, I became aware of something that is self-awareness, again, what I want to describe it as. But it's, like I said, it's more becoming aware of the me that I never knew existed because I was just busy doing everything, that being like everyone else. Um, so I think the biggest crossroad is why I realized about how to be, you know, people talk about be your authentic self and be your real self and so on and so forth. But I think for me, that's the biggest crossroad when I realized that, oh, I can actually be myself, but then I learned how to actually be myself, how to do that. Because often you have to be yourself, but no one has, people don't really talk about how do you do it. So simply learning to say, okay, I'll spend a lot of time in my bedroom back then to say like, just really deep reflection, deep thinking, and just ask myself questions actually like, what is it that I, even little things like, oh, why do you, because um, growing up, the part of depth that I grew up in, like, just, I was like peer, like everywhere, peer pressure. Like, why do you, like, why do you walk the way you do? Oh, because I'm trying to be like everyone else. You know, I'm trying to like impress my friends. Why do you, um, why are you chatting up so many girls and why are you dress up in a certain way? Why do you spend so much money buying expensive designers clothes back then? 
And so I'm trying to just having that level of honesty with myself. So I'm trying to be like my friends, trying to impress my friends. So I started having this sort of open, honest conversation with myself and telling myself the truth to myself. And then in that space, I started realizing that, oh, okay, so this is why I was doing what I was doing. And then if I wasn't doing those things, how would I really want to do? Who would I really want to be? It's like, oh, actually, no, I don't really care. I probably just want to just wear whatever I want to wear. But then there's that fear now. It's like, if you wear whatever you want to wear, if it's from the market, people may laugh at you. Yes. Then I was like, okay, well, if that's the case, I'm going to try anyway. Let me go and buy stuff from the market, from the high streets. That's not designers. Let me wear it and actually see what will happen. And then in doing so, people didn't really care. And I was like, oh, hang on a second. No one actually cares. Oh, the friends I was trying to impress were trying to impress me. I was like, hang on. So this has all been an illusion all these years. So that's why I mean by being yourself. And I started having the freedom to express myself the way I really wanted to, you know, how I dressed, who I wore, and so on and so forth. And that gave me such a, a, a freedom and peace of mind. And it had such a massive impact in my life in terms of like my confidence, my self-esteem, which helped to improve my mental health a lot. And the same principle I used around like career and so on. And yeah, that's, that's probably the turning point for me when it comes to what changed my life. Um, it's sort of like, um, I always have these quotes that I don't know who said them, but I give credit to whoever said it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who are you before the world told you who, you, who you're supposed to be? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, exactly. I think that's just beautiful and it's it's nice that we didn't live a full life and at the end to be like oh wait the the pressure I was putting was actually mine yeah so yeah, yeah I think it's a beautiful journey you had there yeah thank you thank you do you have um, any favorite book favorite books that you would suggest to anyone interested oh yes 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 100 I have quite a few but the I one see you looking. Been, yeah, yeah, there's like books on to my left. Um, like one, two, three, four, four shelves of books. Um, the one I've been recommending to a lot of my friends recently, I'm actually going to give it to my friend when I see them soon. I'm literally I'm going to hand it to them. So you have to read this. You have no choice. It's called The Mirror Work. Um, it's called Mirror Work by Louise Hay, uh, who passed away a few years ago now. So it's a book around... Um, we have a context the reason why I love this book so much because I used to struggle with like you know self-image my self-esteem how I related to myself had a lot of like negative self-talk things like you know I'm ugly I'm this I'm not good enough and, and so on I struggled with that a lot and especially as a guy uh, it's not something that you know we openly speak about you know you yes. know insecurities and so on and I don't even know how I came across this book or who recommended it to me I read it. It's a they have it's got this 21 days exercise of different things to do. And even one of the exercises actually you go into a park or anywhere and you do cartwheels. <laughs> Obviously, that you think you was gonna think of me to think I'm crazy, la da da da. Well, it's about working on your self-image. And a lot of part of the exercise is to talk to yourself in the mirror and you know, forgiving people where you actually see that a lot of things that you blame about other people is actually things that you identifying yourself so it's about it's like a self-help book basically and that's a book that for the first time I was able to I was able to actually able to say to myself in the mirror you know things like I love you you know you're beautiful I'm beautiful I'm amazing all of that stuff and that those are words that I struggled you know to to associate with myself prior and in doing that after that, I actually realized actually a lot of this is actually just what we say to ourselves that then creates, you know, how we relate to ourselves. Yeah, so that's a book that I would highly recommend. It's called Mirror Work um, by Louise Hay. And yeah, it's a book that's changed my life a lot. And there's other ones that I would also, that I could also recommend. Um, there's one that I read called um, Disobedience by a psychologist. I think the name is Eric Fromm, like F-R-O-M-M-E. Again, it's for me that helped you to break away, break a lot of uh, childhood cultural beliefs where, especially the things like, you know, you must obey your parents, you must do this. So how those things trap us, in this case, trap me from really expressing myself freely. So learning how to disobey all these rules that I've grown up with 
that were not in line with my true values and so on and not been afraid to disobey them psychologically um even not with them necessarily being there so it's just like yeah so a lot of internal work that i did using that as well so that's another one that i would i would recommend but yeah there's so many more <laughs> well we can make a list and just attach yeah. it to the episode for anybody yeah. who wants to follow they can yeah. they can definitely do it but we are not done with the conversation i just want mm-hmm. you to mention where can people find you uh for career advice and stuff like that where can they reach you uh, at the moment i'll say linkedin uh so my linkedin is um oris ikomi which is o-r-i-s and surname is for i-k-o-m-i so that's linkedin for professional stuff i haven't created a social media for professional things as in linked uh instagram for professional stuff at the moment but my instagram is underscore the orator so that's t-h-e-o-r-a-t-o-r so underscore the orator which also links to my whole identity of being you know speaker sharing ideas and creating ideas to people with people and so on i'll make sure i'll the tags right there so people can contact you easily but now let's talk a little bit about because you see i'm on careers now and i'm trying to sort myself out (laughs) i think first um what would you say is the number one issue for people when they come to you with their career problems what's the most often one confidence is it yeah okay confidence is something that always everything is i believe i realize that is linked to confidence um because yeah i think confidence is the one thing that always shows up confidence and followed by knowledge not knowing what to do to get to where they want to get to people want to get to i mean it could be from even getting people ready for an assessment center or an interview and getting links down to confidence to express themselves not knowing what the company are looking for how to you know how to you know market themselves how to sell their skills so those two things i've noticed has always been like two missing like confidence and knowledge are the two things i noticed that um because why if i was to ask you why would you go to someone for help i would come to you for help to figure out what way to take now yeah it's so not that's... that i'm not confident yeah well knowledge though but if you really break that's you yeah get some knowledge yeah and what's the, by not having that knowledge, what impact does that have on you? Oh, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> <laughs> you can see that you're maybe not as confident, right? I don't know. Could you, could you identify yeah. that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I so was that, just, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So by having the, the knowledge, having that knowledge and insight, then what does that, when you have that knowledge, what do you feel as a result of that? Confident, Doris, confident. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so... That's not too bad. I see that always they're linked hand in hand, like confidence and knowledge. Yes, but you see, I think uh, these are coming up because of the job market. It's like you have the skills, but you don't know how to apply them anymore because everything mm. is ever changing and it's so much pressure. Because I I know I've I've been part of um, women entrepreneurship uh, summit a few years ago one or two years ago and they were saying women we tend to sit down with a job description and try to tick the boxes so if we tick the first two boxes but then say the third one we say ah, I, I don't really have that skill we mm-hmm. don't go further we just consider ourselves not qualified or not good enough mm-hmm. for the job whereby mm-hmm. men will just go ahead apply and they are like let me just apply i'll see what comes back Mm-hmm. So most of the time, I found it that we hold ourselves back. Mm-hmm. And it is, like you said, uh, confidence, because we, we don't basically believe in ourselves. But then again, the hours that we are asked to work, and we also have to think about the children and, you know, to incorporate everything, we mm. definitely step back from so many opportunities. Mm. Do you know, it's so interesting. So were you going to ask a question or? No, go on. Okay. You know what's interesting? I, I, I was having a conversation with a, a friend from, also from Romania. He lives in uh, Bucharest. Mm-hmm. And we was having a conversation about maybe me going to Bucharest in July this year to speak to women. And 
and it's, it, it's like just whatever you want to speak about and i said okay mate, i was sort of thinking about something to say a potential topic and you just mentioned that it reminded me reminded me of something so um i believe that one of the things that holds women back um how the the, the lens of the gender so for example let me if i should say if you do not see yourself as a woman for example if i just take off that label out of the picture what how would you what would you do how would you approach things well it's hard to, to do that because obviously you've been conditioned your whole life to see yourself as a woman so i just think i'll i'll be doing things differently i would definitely apply to be a barista because i wouldn't care about anything anymore you see we we see as women from the side because we are basically on the side or maybe I'm speaking just for myself, I'm seeing men have more freedom even in a in a family life. Yeah. The man is the provider, so to say. That that's how we were raised with this conception. So automatically he has more freedom to go ahead and accomplish his career, accomplish his mm-hmm. dreams, whereby the women are held back by the children, by the house. You need to make sure everybody is fine at home before you yeah. go and accomplish anything. But in my case, it's just the kids. I need to make sure they are fine. But because you don't have anybody to share this burden with, yeah. you say, okay, at five o'clock, I'll be at work until seven. Can you pick the kids? Then obviously that interrupts your whatever plans you have because yeah. you, you won't be able to achieve the highest rank at the company or whatever yeah. dreams you have. So if I wasn't thinking that I'm a woman and acting by that label I think I would be a barista always yeah and this is why you know I completely appreciate you know because yeah the practical day-to-day things like you know raising up children like um and how that impacts you from having that freedom to pursue your you know your career and so on and obviously that's not something that I don't have a lived experience with that so I don't know what that's like um and the point I'm trying to make is why go back to what I said about our expressing us being our true self. And the same way that there are certain things that I realized that, oh, I want to do this, or but I can't do it because I am a man or I'm a black man, or for example, I can't wear with this when I was like in, I mean, this is the early 20s, so I can't wear a like so let's say pink shirt, for example, because I'm gonna be seen as gay or this was back how people viewed those things back then anyway back in the like early 2000 or so so i had to like learn to break to really work on myself mentally it's okay like what do i use to define myself how do i define who i am using these social i can see how these labels and so on they put limitation hindrance it's okay well, as a black guy I, I can't go to this place because you know i'm going people are going to look at me funny or whatsoever. But I say, no, because I want to do that. I actually want to experience this. So I am going to go do that. So it's actually I versus like being this label. So, and it may seem a bit simplified, but I believe this wholeheartedly that actually if people start actually really going back to start with that eye, it's okay, what do I want to do? And that's where you said about courage. Yes, it would take courage to actually face your fear to see that what would happen if I actually go and do these things. Mm-hmm. you know so i believe that that's one way to um to really break a lot of these these things that hold us back from actually realizing our true potential what we truly want to do and you may get people calling your names in that process or saying you're this you're that how can you do this however having that because having that that drive you know you know exactly why you want to do this thing you know it's actually something that reflects that gives you happiness that when you're when you're doing it it gives you the most sense of like freedom and fulfillment you just you just feel alive i agree that becomes what you're that comes what you're pursuing that's why you do it um and i believe that this is what would actually start this changing a lot of this conversation of what a woman can or cannot do or and it's unfortunately and I remember this clearly when I was, I was like, oh, wow. Back then, I was like, oh, so these are things that actually hold women back, actually, because that label, um, because 
that's a construct, right? That's being created to say, I'm born a man, so I've got to act how men should act. I'm born a woman, so I've got to act how women should act. Then that then forms yes. our identity. Well, now actually, that's okay. who are we before the identity, away from the identity? Yes, but once you decide that, if the system around you doesn't support that idea and it's keep on slapping you with the label, like women who have, I am keep on bragging about this, with women that have to take care of the kids, it's because the childcare is not really there to support you. You need to make sacrifices. And then at the end of the day, you may pursue your career, but your payment at the end of the month will all go on, on childcare. I mean- yeah, I think that those are more there. There were obviously policies and political barriers and so on. Those things yes. are there. And I think that's a that's a different conversation in itself. Um in terms of like how to navigate that. I think thankfully there's more. Yeah, I mean one of my friends were telling me recently that how much it costs for childcare. I was like, Jesus Christ, that is insane. Thank it you. It is insane. Like I could not believe what I was like, can someone not just start a childcare that just charges way cheaper than everything else? But the expenses of what they, when you think about the laws, the, the safeguarding, the things people have to pay for, I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. So I think that's a different fight in itself because unfortunately society has been structured in a way that favors men because of work, provided for the family and so on and so forth. And I think this is something that it's a bigger fight, a big conversation to have to really create a more of a level playing field, more of an equality, so it's like greater quality where we can actually like pursue their career. Um, and just to go back to what you said around things like when men, a man, you know, looks at a job description, they may not have all the skills, but they go ahead anyway. So yes. back to that conversation, I would say that's where the point I was trying to make about if how you define yourself actually what are the when you look at said, what are the things actually stopping me from going for this oh she's because because i'm a woman but that's something that actually we also internalize these gender restrictions to say i cannot do this because i'm a woman so we actually people actually exclude themselves not because they can't actually do it so there are practical things that can be done so working with coaches to work with that again that confidence issue work with um how do you then sell your skills how do you market yourself and that's something i've encountered that uh several times in like when i work with people like during coaching sessions as well i working with this um young uh this student who she has that same thing like you know she she um wanted to go for a role what well, say like, you know actually there's two things i would say i remember i was working with a group of students applying to applying for um a program that I was managing back then, I noticed that the positions that said manager, a lot of the boys applied for it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, when I saw that, when I saw the CVs, I, was, I remember speaking to this girl in particular, I was like, why do you need to go for this job? Because you actually have the skills. Um, and so, oh, yeah, I don't think, I didn't think I was like, you know, just plainly said, there's also a lot of cultural things that's played a role as well. And actually women see themselves to be lesser than. Let me speak, working with this. In that session, I actually worked with this, okay, look, go for it. You have the skills. That intervention helped to give her the confidence to go for it. There's another conversation I was speaking with this uh, student who's from a um, South Asian background, uh, mm-hmm. a, Muslim, a Muslim background as well. And she was, I was running a, a workshop, a mock assessment set, set, uh, center workshop and in that conversation, there were three guys and one and her, she was the only girl. Um, I noticed that she wasn't saying much in that conversation. And I went to her, I said, oh, afterwards, I said, I noticed she wasn't saying much in that conversation, but how come? And she then opened up to say, that's because from her background, you know, you don't speak when there's men around and so on and so forth. And we worked on a one-to-one basis to actually help her, like, it's okay, but if that wasn't a concern, how would you really like to express yourself? And then she eventually went on to do the assessment center and she passed. That's an example how also other cultural beliefs and so on and so forth can be a hindrance as to why some people, or women in this case, don't go for certain positions or, or don't speak out because 
they've been raised to believe that it's not there and it's not just there's nothing to do with like that's just the cultural um mm-hmm. impact in this case and this again this doesn't apply to everyone who's from that cultural background either you know it's, it's exactly something, something that i experienced so that's why i'm saying it's so many different factors but I've, I've, one thing i've seen that has worked is getting the individual to identify okay how would you really like to express yourself if these concerns were not there and that's where i work with people on that's why i specialize actually let's help you to discover that and express that and in most cases it's produced results for for the people that's beautiful do you celebrate when they get the jobs yeah i do and sometimes actually i find myself in the other day um i literally like sometimes like fist pump and say yes 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 yeah when they tell me the news i mean there's a guy that I worked with recently he was from um ecuador you know bless me came to the uk as a 14 year old again similar thing no like learned how to speak english in the uk and i could see how he was struggling like he's done a lot of assessment centers been unsuccessful worked with him again confidence mindset all of that stuff and he called me he arranged a call to tell me the news and i was just there thinking like oh my god this is so amazing so incredible yeah i do i'm learning to celebrate now. i never i was never good at it i never used to like celebrate these why I don't know, because I'm thinking, again, maybe that for me, looking back, maybe just a, you know, cultural thing that, oh, no, I just, you know, it's not, I didn't do it, it's fine, or, yeah. Oh, you need to own it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm starting to do that now, even though I'm starting to share on LinkedIn more as well, because mm-hmm. I never used to share any, like, news of... I know. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. know very well, because there was no news of, of you there, so that's why I said, let me just ask yeah. you if you would like to do it yeah so i had a question it flew away but it will come back uh yes tell me about the time in romania oh romania so i went there for a friend's actually it was during my birthday was a friend uh, two friends getting married um it was amazing i mean one of my stand-up memory is the weather it was hot i'm telling you oh my god (laughs) every day was like 38 degrees 39 degrees at 11 o'clock i'm already sweating that's how hot it was um yeah it was very do you know what actually i remember saying to myself if people in england or the uk knew about romania i think that would be a great holiday destination especially if there was a lot of beaches in romania i think it would be a great great holiday because like the weather in the summer is insanely hot and things the price of things is so much cheaper compared to london or compared to the uk for example i remember going to um that bottle of a, a, a cocktail was like 450 and like this would be the perfect holiday destination and i think that's more thing that could be done to actually like maybe unfortunately i think back then romania had this negative you know perception uh in the sort of uh mid like right about 2008 2009 those yes. periods saying that coming to take over our jobs they're just like this that that it's nothing interesting i can see i'll be candid i was because i think then because of that perception i had of romania you just assume that romania is going to be this like really like run down everyone's like poor or there's no educated people there i'm like hang on a second there are more cars in romania than actually in, in the streets of london <laughs> there are more nicer cars than in the streets of london i'm thinking what what's this whole bs that people are talking about painting romania in such a bad light um no it was actually it's a really nice nice place um where actually the weather to me was it was incredible that's nice yeah. so are you looking forward to go back there for the the event i'm actually looking forward to going back to funny enough my friend before we started this call i just read a message from my friend saying he's looking to go back in june july and asking if everyone else, if anyone else wants to come so i'm looking at july time uh, to go that's beautiful yeah any what are the career plans do you have like what's what's the next step you want to take for me at the moment the next step is i want to work with um i want to work within like the financial sector i want to go in-house to help an organization you know run the early careers program to help them develop that and yeah make it successful i think that's the next stage i want to challenge myself uh, to um, manage uh, early careers program for um, an organization within like finance. Yeah. 
That's interesting. Do you have any tips for anyone who has, for example, an interview coming up? What do you say would be like the first three most important steps to get oh, ready for it? The three most important steps to get ready for it is um, if you have an interview coming up. So one is I use this model to say like create a table like a, a on a, to say like on one side, write down a list of what the companies are looking for. Mm-hmm. So, especially in the, where they say the person's specification or skills, write those things down, list them down, and on the other side, write down just brainstorm bullet points, mm-hmm. things that you can remember that you have done that matches what they're looking for. Okay. And then, then take the time to then develop that further, and then look at how you can answer that in a. What I said to actually use that the star technique because most companies use the like star technique, uh, like situation, task, action, and results to respond to interview questions. So practice using that to say, okay, this is a situation where I did X, Y, Z. So for example, situation is I was um I was I was responsible for the situation was we're working on a project, and my task in that project was to coordinate the team to make sure that we finish the product uh, project on time. And my action, what I did to make sure we did that was I sent emails to the team. I created a diary and I made sure everyone in the team had access to that diary so they can let me know when they're free and then let me know when they finish their task. And then I managed that process. And by doing that, it helped us to actually submit the project on time. So that's an example of actually then use that structure to respond to a question. Um, but I say, yeah, just list down what the company wants list down how you make those skills and then develop your each areas what you have done to actually meet those skills i think that's to me that's the secret to passing an interview on assessment centers matching what they're looking for to actually what you have done if you can do that successfully the chance of being of being offered a role will be quite high i agree it's been a while I mean, no, it's not been such long since I've had an interview, but I was deemed uh, overqualified. So <laughs> maybe okay, I was. Tell me more. <laughs> I always find uh, that interesting. Were you deemed overqualified for the role? Yes. Um, what's the advice you would give to someone whose CV is, um, how do we call it? Spread? Yeah. I think my advice is someone's a CV spread. Um, because my CV is quite spread out so I've done different things mm. but they're all kind of linked together so I did business development I've worked with students I've worked with universities I've worked with organizations to help connect with students and so on so the main thing is if you identify a field or a career that you want to go in mm-hmm. it's first of all see what skills or what sort of experiences that's required to go into that industry so for example when i knew that i wanted to work in the in finance in the city but work in the sort of early careers department or or learning and development team so yeah i remember i remember sitting with this uh with this careers coach and they said you know at the current time you wouldn't they wouldn't accept you because you don't have experience working with like managing like stakeholders within or internally within the organization you don't understand how things work and so on and they suggested that i should um get a role that would give me exposure into how to work with different stakeholders within the organization so i then took on a role that helped me to work with you know companies such as like deutsche bank and some of the top law firms clifford chance and so on and so forth Although I wasn't working in-house, I was able to actually still mm. learn and work with them and to see how things go and internally. Uh, so, so that's one thing. And the second part, I would say, look at your CV, look at what you have done and look at what they're looking for. Let's say if they're looking for, um, let's say, uh, problem solving. What, people, what I find that people do in their CV, I used to do this as well. They'll talk about how, oh, I part of my they'll talk about let's say a particular responsibility in the previous role. Say, oh, I was responsible for um, managing a team to solve problems. 
great but then they don't talk about giving example, okay what did you do uh-huh. or how did you do it so just saying i solved problems doesn't give them an insight to actually say okay that how you did it saying okay i designed a a strategy to help the company increase um i don't know profit by 20 percent uh, that shows yes. exactly how you did it compared to just saying i did it so what you what you sh- what people should do then is to actually look at what they have done previously and look at specific moments within what they have done previously and focus on those moments, not just saying, oh, I work for this company. Nice. Saying I work for this company doesn't actually tell them anything. So it doesn't matter about the role. It's more what you did within that role and look at the specific actions that you took in that time that reflects what that company is looking for. If you don't put that in your CV, so that's they now they focus on the skills and things that you your experience and not so much about where you have worked. I see. So that's when I think I find that where people again I said about the knowledge part because people don't know that because I used to do the classic thing that oh I worked in this company I used to think uh, so I never actually used to actually demonstrate what I have done in my CV or how I did it. The same applies to interviews as well. Do you think people should take out? certain files of their CV depending on the job they're applying to. Yeah, yeah, because I don't put everything in. I only put the things that are relevant to that role I'm applying for. This is where also tailoring your CV to to the role. No, I'm just smiling because I'm thinking I want them to know I know how to do the other things as well. <laughs> yes, it's not unfortunately it's not relevant. If it's if it's relevant, include it. So for example, I've worked in I've managed a team where if I'm applying for a role that has nothing to do with managing a team. I've got to make a judgment. Do I really need to put this in? Because what I used to do, I know people do this as well, is that we think making ourselves sound amazing in a CV is what would impress the recruiter or the employer. No, it's actually it's what you have done and showing how you did it. That's all they really care about, especially if you are applying for a role that's not in a graduate scheme, for example, companies don't recruit graduates based on their experience. They, they recruit them based on like having certain behaviors, aptitudes, and so on and so forth. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're applying for a more of an experience role, they will hire you based on your skills, your experience, what you have done, and so on. I see. So yeah, you want to basically include things that are relevant to the role. Do you do you offer CV uh, help? <laughs> I do. I mean, I offer not much. I offer like coaching. I offer coaching around like preparing for interviews and so on and so forth. But then I can still apply the same. I don't really work with people. Actually, I have done in the past um, in terms of more like CV training and workshop and so on. But yeah, the answer is I can do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to put it in the description. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is what I said about it. Like, the knowledge, just having that knowledge, actually, that knowledge actually helps. It makes a difference then when you know what to do, it empowers you to then like go and do this and apply this knowledge to to any situation. Must agree with you. Because my CV has it all (laughs) relevant and irrelevant. Yeah, that's why. I think that's probably why. I think um, it's because, yeah, it just hasn't been tailored to, and also probably what you've included in there, it's not, you haven't included things that you have done that reflects what they're looking for. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll, I'll get a better one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> more concise. Yeah. Well, again, I have, I'm happy to have first have a sit down as well to see, like, you know, look what you what you give it. A look at your CV, see what you've done, and then you know, to tailor it. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I'm thinking about our listeners because I know everybody's lost when it comes about CVs. Mm. I've heard mm. people that I don't know what to write. I don't know how to put it anymore because, you know, mm. everybody says nobody's actually sitting down to check them. It's just like generated and picked from so many. Yeah. So, Because what I do is literally when I, if I'm applying for a role that I know I really want to do, I'm really interested in, I take the time to actually like create um on Word document, I create three, two tables. One is organization, what they're looking for. And the other side is me. What have I done for each of these areas mm. I'm looking for? I just bullet point, jot things down that I can remember. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good strategy because that's that's how you, you are really focused and you know if you can do it or not. 
not just you know ticking the boxes by reading it and not paying attention to it yeah yeah i remember there was a role that recently i actually applied for a role i did not tailor the cv my cv Mm -hmm. to that role and lo and behold it said oh fortunately (laughs) you know you don't uh, we don't feel like you have enough enough experience that we're looking for i'm like yeah i didn't really take the time to really tailor my cv to the role (laughs) (laughs) so you knew what you've done wrong there exactly yeah. Well, Oris, I, I need to thank you very much for today. But before I let you go, um, just an interest. I don't know, because I can't play music because of mm-hmm. royalties and stuff. And I'm used to play music along a conversation. Mm-hmm. Please tell us a song that, I don't know, you listen to to motivate yourself or a pick-me-up song. Oh, um, pick-me-up song. Depends on the mood. Sometimes when I'm working, I would need to concentrate I will play, I'll just type in um, concentration music on Spotify. <laughs> I'll just have that playing in the background. Um, or some like chilled vibes. But in terms of like... When you, you want know, a vibe on the song, Goris, when you go and conquer the world, I don't know, something to put that something in your step. Yeah. Oh, I think there's one I used to listen to. I'm trying to remember it now. Uh, there's a number one. So I listen to like, say... Um, jay-z forever young mm-hmm. i don't want to say, i want to live forever young da, 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 da. yes i listened to that one and uh i listened to eminem um not afraid okay yeah because i think that speaks to me so like you know not afraid to take a stage you know so that's mm-hmm. one that's one I, that I listen to when i really want to get myself into the mindset as well and sometimes i listen, listen to afro beats just to get me into like more of a groovy you know happy Happening. oh yes yeah <laughs> that's nice that's yeah. nice yeah. well Oris, we are looking forward to have you back on the podcast with your next Thank plans you. and next steps in your career but uh yes this is it for today thank you so much and we can't we can't wait to hear from you thank you no, thanks for the opportunity and uh, yeah looking forward to coming back again